Welcome to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the radical Christian life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah, so let's get to it. Happy holidays. Are we going to Happy holidays. Yeah, I was waiting for you to join in. Yeah, well, welcome listeners to the Radical Christian Life. No, we didn't. (laughs) With Doug and Paula, we're excited because it's the holiday seasons and Christmas is coming up and we have a fun podcast. Yeah. We're right in the middle. We were doing God's sovereignty and we're going to come back to that, but we wanted to do an interlude because Christmas is this week. Yep. And we wanted to talk about one of the names of God. Yeah, it just fits perfect. Yes, it does. And dealing with a question we were getting a lot lately. And so we thought, let's do a podcast on it, bring in our theology and the names of God and the character of God, and then uh, talk about Christmas. Man, this is a (laughs) win-win all the way around. And we hope you feel that after 30 minutes of listening to us. That's right, yeah. Anyway, so what is the question we're getting, Paul? The question is, should I say Merry Christmas to people in public? Yeah, it's a a hot-button topic right now. It is. Who would have ever thought we'd be dealing with this? Yes, and so... But here we are. Yeah, and let's just say right off the bat, Let's just give our blanket answer. We believe in free speech. Mm-hmm. We do. We are true Americans. We are raised under that. <laughs> and we believe in free speech. And so you can say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can say happy holidays. You can say, go mind your own business. No, don't say that. <laughs> That's not nice. No. It came from me, didn't it? Why wouldn't you have said that? Because that doesn't come from you. No. It comes from me, right? <laughs> yeah, so I was just talking to a group of guys today, and I was like, I've really overcome the glasses. Not only half empty, but it's broken and leaking. And I'm so glad I married a person like, glass is not half full. It's overflowing. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, more water is coming in. So There's always a positive. Yeah. So anyway, so forgive me for that. Don't say that. <laughs> say something nice. And uh, But we need to realize, and I think the evangelical worlds, the, and those are the ones who are freaking out. The evangelicals are freaking out the most about people saying, don't say Merry Christmas. We should say more generic greetings, just like happy holidays. But we have to realize we live in a pluralistic society now. Winter blessings. <laughs> Should I say that? Happy solstice. I don't know. I saw, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but but it's a reality that we have to live in. Uh, Rod Dreher, who wrote, you've heard me talk about him on the podcast, wrote the book, Live Not By Lies and the Benedict Option. And he's the one who brought to my attention, and so did Carl Truman, uh, who wrote the famous book that I just keep bragging all about, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Christians, we, we're not the majority now. Yeah. And we have to learn to live in this pluralistic society. Yeah. And you and I have advantage of that because of us living around the world. Yeah. And I think especially in the Middle East, where a lot of the greetings, a lot of the sayings, a lot of the proverbs were actually Islamic. Yes. And so, you know, sometimes the Christian community were offended by that. Yeah. And they, they wouldn't would never say, say salam alaikum. Yeah. We knew Christians who's like, no Christian should greet. That's a Muslim greeting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It's Quranic, but it does say peace, you know, God's peace be upon you. Mm-hmm. That's not a horrible thing to say. Well, anyways, we're yeah. not getting into debate. We understand well, there, but. I think the, uh, the equivalent for us would have been during Ramadan in the yeah. Middle East. And people would say Ramadan Kareem. Kareem. Yes. Which is, it basically means. It means that, Ramadan is generous. Yeah. That's what it means. And then so, the response is Allah Akram, which means Allah God or is God is generous, even more generous. So yeah. I would never say the first, but I would say the second. Yeah. Because I believe it. God and is that was generous. our that was our way of dealing with it yeah. because. Yeah. It, and it, I, don't, I want to be careful here. I, I kind of made it sound like the Christians who wouldn't say Salaam Alaikum were bad. No, that was their prerogative. And that, yeah, I just yeah. didn't like when they started imposing, conviction. when you start yeah. composing how you have composing? to speech imposing <laughs> yes how you impose the composing of speech <laughs> yeah. how is that? Is that oh a good recovery that was there quick. yeah so all we, that to say 
language matters. It does. And it, so it's but, thinking about what you're saying. But don't be a hypocrite. Because mm? uh, I was with a group Are of guys. <laughs> no, but I was telling <laughs> a group of guys today, if there's one thing we're pretty clear at in scripture and the gospels, Jesus didn't do well with hypocrites. Mm. So don't you say or go, well, no, we're going to say Merry Christmas. But then are you going to be offended if you go into a store and somebody says happy Hanukkah or they say happy Diwali mm-hmm. or they say Ramadan Kareem? I mean, we live in a pluralistic society. Mm-hmm. So, um, so anyways, we just, that's how we handle it. Yeah. We, just be gracious. Just be gracious. There's freedom in this. There's no one yeah. saying you have to say. If somebody um, says happy holidays and you turn around with a grimace on your face yeah. and say Merry Christmas, probably yeah. not going to win them to Jesus. No. And you so, just, yeah, yeah, you're making yourself as an angry fundamentalist and yeah. that's not winning people. Or the Grinch, Christ. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe both. Maybe, maybe there's not much difference between the two, but that's another mm, podcast topic. Sometimes. So there you go. Okay. Now we probably offended half the people listening <laughs> to us. Like, no, I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Good. Say Merry Christmas. Hear us, please. Yeah. We love saying I Merry Christmas to people. It. Yeah. We do, do, we do, yeah. but we just, but believe, I say it with a smile on my yes, face. And yeah. Yes. Yeah, just be a good testimony. <laughs> yes. But this actually takes us to a second realm of the question of why are people being offended? Why is this so um, offensive of saying uh, Merry Christmas to people? Yeah. I, I think really just because it's absurd. Well, when you, yeah, yeah, before you get into that, I would say even before that, we talked about people, just some people, just when they hear the word Christmas, they think Christians and they think angry, mean people Mm. who just want to oppress them. Like if they're LGBTQ or if they're atheists and stuff, they hear Christian, they don't have nice thoughts. So they, as soon as they hear Christmas, they're like, oh, you're going to try and impose your Christianity upon me and I don't want anything to do with it. That's the one people, and that's sad. But unfortunately, they've had some experience, maybe through their home, somebody hurt them that was a Christian, or they Mm. heard things, especially the media, how they misrepresent Christianity. So we have to understand it. That's a reality. Mm -hmm. That's reality. And you can't do anything about that. Right. And if you don't celebrate it, if you don't believe in it, so for you... Not us, but for them, it might sound absurd, right? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Why? What, yeah. what does this actually mean? Well, and that's where it really gets fun. So when you say absurd, um, let's talk about that because that is the truth of, Christi- of Christmas. Mm. It, it has an absurdity to it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about this because our lives got wrecked many years ago uh, of this idea of the absurdity of it. And the idea comes from, if you really think about one of the names of God, we've been doing the names of God, mm-hmm. we did the big three, but we're going to do a name that was applied to the Messiah, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it comes from the famous prophecy, where is it found at? Isaiah 7. And specifically, what we're talking about is verse 14, where it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, sh- and shall call his name Emmanuel. So that was the great po- prophecy of Isaiah. Yeah. He's prophesying about Jesus, right? Yeah. I just noticed, uh, I copied and pasted and put that uh, in front of us there on, and then we read from the ESV. Mm. You notice what I didn't do? I didn't change the pronouns. They yeah. capitalize the pronouns when it said the Lord himself. Yeah, and, and when it says he, I always. That drives me nuts about the I ESV. I know, the ESV. Yes, they're so they big on the sovereignty yeah. of God, but not in grammar. So yeah. anyways, <laughs> so anytime I rewrite those notes, even in my own personal journals and stuff, mm-hmm. I'll change it and put a capital there to honor God with the pronouns. So yeah. there we go. Yeah. If we're going to if we're gonna argue going back to If we're going to argue stuff, pronouns. If we're going to argue then pronouns, then I'm going to make sure my pronouns capitalize. are correct for the one who really matters. Yeah. So. 
There's right. a little side weird note to yeah. throw out there for you. So you, it. there's freedom. You can do with your pronouns <laughs> if capitalize them or not for the Lord's name. But, but anyways, but that verse, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mm. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. That is incredible when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. Because when we walk through the names of God, they're, they're, God, we're, you know, walking alongside all this. This is God with us. Yeah. It, that, that is an absurdity when you think about it. It blows our mind. We can't even define it. I, and again, so we were talking about Islam a moment ago. If you would say to a Muslim, Allah with us, Allah became flesh and became a son, you know, and became a man. Mm. That that's blasphemy. That oh, is ups- yeah. that's true. You would understand by the look in their eyes and the quizzical look on their face what we're sounding that what we're saying sounds so absurd. Mm. And uh, and we have to recognize that mm-hmm. there's no religion in the world like Christianity. Mm-mm. I mean, even when the cults, when you get into Jehovah Witnesses and you get into uh, Mormonism and stuff, they you know. God, Jehovah Witness, Jesus is a created being. Mm-hmm. That's a lot easier than saying he's fully God of the Trinity who became flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, Mormons, God had a spirit baby. God had spirit babies with his spirit wife or with his wife in heaven. And one of the babies was Lucifer. And one was Jesus. If you ever studied the deep doctrines of Mormonism? I mean, they have to explain away the deep um, meaning of the what we believe, the historic church has always believed about God becoming flesh, the mm. second person of the Trinity, mm. the eternal son of God becoming flesh, mm. God with us. Mm. It is. It's just a wild concept. It really is. Let's talk about how this became a reality and how it really kind of changed our perception of cr- thinking about Christmas and what the virgin birth is all about. Because you know yeah. what's interesting? Do you know, you know this, but a lot of listeners might not. You know, Islam, they believe in the virgin birth. Mm-hmm. They honor the Mother Mary. Mm-hmm. They just don't understand the full implications of what that means, Emmanuel. Yeah. So they'll talk about the virgin birth, but like, you want to ask, what do you know what Emmanuel means? And that's the prophecy, and then you lost them mm-hmm. because that's not going to be allowed in their religion. Yeah. But in ours, he it's He who this, does not have the Spirit of God does not understand the things of God. Exactly. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 so through 16. So we look at that with, with pity in a sense yeah. of like, and and praying yeah. for them that their heart would be open in the same yeah. way our heart was open. To see the real beauty of who Mary was and what she did. Yeah. And yeah. So, so it was a book we read. It this was. was around 1986, wasn't it? I, I, some, somewhere in there. Sometime in there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we highly recommend this book. Yeah. It's an author who's still popular today and still produces books. His name is Max Lucado. This was one of his first ones. It might have been his first or one of his first books. Yeah. And it's called God Came Near. Yeah. All about Jesus. So yeah, it's, it's, and it's really around the Christmas idea and the Mm -hmm. the birth of Jesus and and who he was and what he did. Yeah. So if you want a great read, he's a master writer, wordsmither, just entertaining. Especially something around Christmas. If you're looking for an advent type of thought provoking, Mm -hmm. very thought provoking. But he has a, a one specific chapter that really, Really hit us. Yeah. And we're going to be reading it today. We don't usually read on this typically, but we decided we were because as we were trying to summarize the meanings behind this a little bit, we just decided, hey, why don't we just read it? Yeah. So you're going to get a whole chapter. It's chapter three, and the chapter is called Absurdity in the Flesh. Don't worry. It's not that long. <laughs> You'll be fine. Well, you're in the car. Stay you're driving. We got a captive audience. You're at home doing some work, listening to our podcast. So this is worth it. We're saving you, if you don't want to buy the book, we're saving you some money. So think of it that way, but 
again, we recommend the book highly and uh, bear with us as we read. And here Absurdity we go. in the flesh. You mean to tell me God became a baby? The one posing the questions was puzzled. His thick eyebrows furrowed in doubt and his eyes squinted in caution. Though there were places to sit, he opted not to do so. He preferred to stand safely behind the crowd, unsure yet intrigued by what he was hearing. Throughout the lecture, he had listened intently, occasionally uncrossing his arms to stroke his whiskered chin. Now, however, he stood upright, punching the air with his finger as he queried. And that he was born in a sheep stable? He looked as though he'd walked down from one of those adjacent Colorado mountains, stocking hat, down vest, nylon stockings, hiking boots. And he sounded as though he honestly didn't know if the story he was hearing was a mountain legend or the gospel truth. Yes, that is what I mean to say, the lecturer responded. And then, after becoming a baby, he was raised in a blue-collar home. He never wrote any books or held any offices, yet he called himself the son of God. Yes, that is right. The lecturer being questioned was Landon Saunders, the voice of the Heartbeat radio program. I've never heard anybody tell the story of Jesus like Landon can. He never traveled outside of his own country, never studied at a university, never lived in a palace, and yet asked to be regarded as the creator of the universe? That's correct. I was a bit unnerved by the dialogue. I was fresh out of college, gung-ho, enthusiastic, a volunteer helper in a lecture series. I had come with memorized verses and responses loaded in the chamber of my evangelistic six-shooter. However, I came prepared to defend a lifestyle, not a savior. I was ready to argue morality, doctrine, heaven, and hell. I wasn't ready to argue a man. Jesus had always been someone I just accepted. These questions were a bit too aggressive for my faith. And this crucifixion story, he was betrayed by his own people? No followers came to his defense, and then he was executed like a common junkyard thief? Yes, that's the gist of it. The authenticity of the questioner didn't allow you to regard him as a cynic, nor to dismiss him as a show-off. To the contrary, he seemed nervous about commanding such attention. His awkwardness betrayed his inexperience in public speaking, but his desire to know was just an ounce or two heavier than his discomfort. And so he continued. And after the killing, he was buried in a borrowed grave? Yes, he had no grave of his own, nor money with which to purchase one. The honesty of the dialogue kept the audience spellbound. I realized I was witnessing one of those rare times when two people were willing to question the holy. Here were two men standing on opposite sides of a deep chasm, one asking the other, if the bridge that stretched between them could actually be trusted. There was a hint of emotion in the student's voice as he, as he carefully worded the next question. And according to what's written, after three days in the grave, he was resurrected and made appearances to over 500 people? Yes. And all this was to prove that God loves people and provides a way for us to return to him? Again, that's right. I knew which question was coming next. Everyone in the room knew it. It could have gone without being asked. In my heart of hearts, I was hoping it wouldn't be. Doesn't that all sound rather... Uh, he paused for a second, searching for the right adjective. Doesn't that all sound rather absurd? 
All the heads turned in perfect sync and looked at Landon. All the heads, that is, except mine. My head was spinning as I was forced to look at Jesus from a new angle. Christianity? Absurd? Jesus on a cross? Absurd? The incarnation? Absurd? The resurrection? Absurd? My Sunday school Jesus had been taken down from the flannel board. Landon's response was simple. Yes. Yes, I suppose it does sound rather absurd, doesn't it? I didn't like that answer. I didn't like it at all. Tell the fellow how it made sense. Present fulfilled prophecies. Explain the fulfillment of the old law, covenant, reconciliation, redemption. Sure, it made sense. Don't let him describe God's actions as absurd. And then it began to dawn on me. What God did made sense. It makes sense that Jesus would be our sacrifice because a sacrifice was needed to justify man's presence before God. It makes sense that God would use the old law to tutor Israel on their need for grace. It makes sense that Jesus would be our high priest. What God did makes sense. It can be taught, charted, and put in books on systematic theology. However, why God did it is absolutely absurd. When one leaves the method and examines the motive, the carefully stacked blocks of logic begin to tumble. That type of love isn't logical. It can't be neatly outlined in a sermon or explained in a term paper. But before we get bent out of shape, remember that many both in the New Testament and even today consider it absurd. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. 1 Corinthians 1.23 says, the word foolishness can be translated absurdity. Think about it. For thousands of years, using his wit and charm, man has tried to be friends with God. And for thousands of years, he had let God down more than he had lifted him up. He'd done the very thing he promised he'd never do, and it was a fiasco. Even the holiest of the heroes sometimes forgot whose side they were on. Some of the scenarios in the Bible look more like the adventures of Sinbad the Sailor than stories for a vacation Bible school. Remember these characters? Aaron, right-hand man to Moses, witnesses of the plagues, member of the Red Sea Riverbed Expedition, holy priest of God. But if he was so saintly, What was he doing leading the Israelites to fireside aerobics in front of the golden calf? The sons of Jacob, the fathers of the tribes of Israel, great-grandsons of Abraham. Yet, if they were so special, why were they gagging their younger brother and sending him to Egypt? David, the man after God's own heart, the king's king, the giant slayer, and the songwriter. He's also the guy whose glasses got steamy as a result of a bath on a roof. Unfortunately, the water wasn't his, nor was the woman he was watching. Adam adorning fig leaves and stains and forbidden fruit. Moses throwing both a staff and a temper tantrum. King Saul looking into a crystal ball for the will of God. Noah drunk and naked in his own tent. These are the chosen ones of God? These are the ones who are to carry out God's mission? It's easy to see absurdity. Why didn't he give up? Why didn't he let the globe spin off its axis? After generations of people had spit in his face, he still loved them. After a nation of chosen ones had stripped him naked and ripped his flesh, he still died for them. And even today, after billions have chosen to prostitute themselves before power, pleasure, 
fame and wealth, he still waits for them. It is inexplicable. It doesn't have a drop of logic nor a thread of rationality. And yet, it is that very irrationality that gives the gospel its greatest offense, for only God could love like that. I don't know what happened to that inquisitive fellow in Colorado. He disappeared as quickly as he came, but I'm in his debt. He forced me to see Jesus as I'd never seen him. At first, I didn't recognize him, but it was he, the lion, the Judean lion. He walked out from among the dense trees of theology and ritual and laid down in a brief clearing. In his paw was a wound, and in his mane were stains of blood. But there was a royalty about him that silenced even the breeze in the trees. Blood-stained royalty, a god with tears, a creator with a heart. God became earth's mockery to save his children. How absurd to think that such nobility would go to such poverty to share such a treasure with such thankless souls. But he did. In fact, the only thing more absurd than the gift is our stubborn unwillingness to receive it. You can see why we read it. This is a powerful story. In fact, we would encourage you to think deeply about what you're worshiping on Christmas. As you open the packages, as you sing hymns, think about what you're doing. You're acknowledging that God became flesh what the world would consider absurd. What doesn't make logical sense for a God to love so amazing? You're worshiping. And that's the beauty of Emmanuel.